Photo Shelter presents Vision Slightly Blurred. I'm Sarah Jacobs. And I'm Alan Murabayashi. Alan, this past week, we were alerted on Twitter by a listener of ours, shout out to Tom Leininger, about an extremely odd photo to come out of the White House of President Biden and First Lady posing next to former President Jimmy Carter and First Lady Rosalind, taken inside the Carter's Georgia home. The image looks as if it's been taken inside a funhouse mirror because, bless their hearts, the Carters look like miniature figurines sitting inside a dollhouse being visited by giants, (laughs) which are the Bidens. (laughs) The photo made its rounds on Twitter with plenty of Hobbit jokes and photoshopped versions of exaggerating the already exaggerated size difference between the two famous couples. Um, The second that I saw it, I was bewildered, I laughed, and then I wondered what photographer in their right mind would take and then release (laughs) this image. (laughs) Alan, what was your reaction? Well, I was surprised that it it got so much press coverage. I I know in in like Photoland, a lot of photographers were chiming in on Twitter and on Facebook about the perils of using an ultra-wide angle lens, especially for portraiture, which obviously is a no-no unless you're, the circumstance can't, can't avoid it. Um, but the fact that there is a Was- Washington Post article and a New York Times article about it, <laughs> it, it kind of made me think that this was sort of the Obama tan suit moment for the White House photographer. Oh. Because, like, Mm, is it weird? It's a little weird. Does it really matter in the larger context of things? Not really. Is this really going to be the biggest controversy that we have to worry about right now with everything mm. else going on? Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Certainly not. But I, I do feel like it brought a little bit of levity, you know? Yes, for sure. For sure. <laughs> so who took that photo? So Adam Schultz, who we have talked a lot about on the show, he is the primary photographer for President Biden. He's the one who took the image. Press pool was not allowed inside the house. They were waiting outside the house um, for the president. So it was Adam who took it. And the New York Times, actually part of their reporting on this image, um, was phoning Adam, who, when asked about it, quote, it's for people to figure out and think about. In terms of why does it look as distorted and, and, and the way that it looks. Now, this quote from Adam, really, it bothers me. I just feel like that is the most like pretentious uh, response, especially given that this photo is just a little bit comical in of itself. Um, he was being understand. a little cagey. He was being a little cagey for sure. I think I, so. I suspect he was a little embarrassed about it. Oh. At, you know, at the mm. end. And, you know, that same New York Times piece, uh, Doug Mills, who's who's covered Washington for the Times for many, many years, was outside of the Carter's home during the photo session. And he says that, uh, in this New York Times piece that we'll link to on our blog at blog.photoshelter.com that he saw the flash go off inside. He agreed that it seemed likely that a wide angle lens was used to solve the problem. This is what they're saying in the article, to solve the problem of capturing all four subjects in a small space. And then some asked why the Carter Center would release a distorted photo or why it wasn't edited to remove the distortion. And Mr. Mills said that would be completely forbidden. Official White House photographers are supposed to abide by ethical rules similar to those followed by photojournalists. And so you're not allowed to make lens distortion corrections in the way that people were suggesting they ought to. So Hmm. Mm -hmm. there you go. 
Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I'm glad I'm glad somebody pointed it out since Adam was so uh, buttoned up about it. <laughs> you know, the one thing I'll say too is, yes, there is obvious distortion in the corners. Anyone who's used ultra wide up close to something, even on your iPhone, if you have you know an iPhone 11 or 12, um, they have a super wide mode. And if you get close to people, you'll notice the people on the periphery look really distorted. Oh, I yeah. will mm-hmm. say that the people that are taking photos of Biden standing next to Carter that are 30 years old, that's not really a good example of their relative heights anymore because Jimmy Carter is like well into his 90s, his late 90s. He's definitely shrunken a lot. And I know Biden is 75 or 76 or something, but he's still, you know, retained his height and he was was taller than Carter uh, to begin with. Mm -hmm. So... I do think that Jimmy and Rosalind are fairly diminutive nowadays, and it's just exaggerate, exaggerated by, by the photo and the lens choice, obviously. Yeah, totally. Definitely is. And, you know, we mentioned the, the Washington Post article, and in that article, there's a quote uh, from the Carter biographer, Jonathan Atler, and his main takeaway uh, to the presidential visit to the Plains, quote, has less to do with photography or height than with Carter himself. As the author noted, Biden's trip last week was the first time a president has visited the tiny Georgia town since Carter had left office. So I thought it was, you know, again, like, is this the tan suit moment? The bigger thing is that Biden actually went to this little town of of Carter. You know, it's unfortunate that everyone's making fun of the image, but people were having fun with the image for sure. For sure. They definitely were. <laughs> so on uh, Twitter, the, the first one that we saw was from the user Leonardo LaVinci. Made the Carters look huge relative to the Bidens. And it was just a very, like huge, like very huge. It's funny, <laughs> it's funny seeing Joe kind of leaning into Rosalind Carter that way. Yeah. And then you had people like Mike Hancock make the Bidens look even bigger <laughs> than they already were. So people it's really, were just riffing off it. Yeah, it's kind of like Game of Thrones-ish, you know, with the uh, the giants or whatever they call them, the, the orcs. I never or, watched I don't that show. I well, you know, there's big people and there's little people in all of these fantasy lands. So oh, okay. <laughs> someone's got to be big and someone's got to be small. Got it. <laughs> in other news, you know, uh, we have a Slack channel at Photo Shelter, for those of you who are familiar with Slack. It's a communications, corporate communications tool. And we have a uh, photography channel, so all the employees can just throw stuff up there. And our CEO, Andrew Fingerman, uh, threw up an Instagram account called Ultra Distancia. And it turns out there's a website. It's a whole project, an aesthetic cartography project created from high-resolution satellite imagery by the photographer Federico Weiner. And what he does is he alters the color, contrast, and different levels from satellite images that he finds on Google Earth to create art. So he literally spends hours just finding interesting things, things that are sort of eye-catching or things that he thinks uh, are important regarding uh, the environment. Um, and he makes them into art. And it's, it's interesting from the standpoint that Google Earth is estimated to be composed of images that total three petabytes of data. So there's a lot of images to choose from if you want to do a slow flyby of the entire Earth. <laughs> and, you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about artificial intelligence, auto-coloring black and white images and how awful the results were and how uh, inaccurate they were. 
And Weiner is no doubt altering the color, but I think the difference is that he's doing it intentionally. And I personally think that the results are beautiful. What did you think? Yeah, the photos are, I don't even know if you would even use that word. Um, but the resulting images are just really, really gorgeous. And also they make beautiful abstract works of art to hang in your home yeah. that I feel like add a really cool element. They're just, they're super like, I would use the word like technicolor. There's a lot of bright, bright colors and just bizarre shapes. I'm into it. Yeah, I think if you don't like photos hanging on your wall because they're too literal, I think the way that he's playing with the colors and you know extracting certain elements from a, a broader scene is really, really fascinating. We should point out that the notion of using the images provided by Google Earth is very similar to projects that people have done in the past with extracting images from Google Street View to create derivative works. And in the early 2010s, the photographer artist Doug Ricard had a project called A New American Picture that even got a show from MoMA. And he would find interesting scenes on Google Street View and then photograph the screen and make a derivative work. And you know, initially when, I, when that work came out, I was a little skeptical about using it, uh, you know, Street View in that way. But 10 years later, I've really come to appreciate what he was trying to do sociologically and the way that the art came out. I, I think it's a really, really cool project. I feel like Google Street View and Earth has inspired so many different um, types of artists. Um, and, you know, Doug's work is just one of kind of many, actually, that we've talked about on the show, um, of photographers or, you know, artists of other mediums that have used screenshots from the images captured by Google Streets. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and he wasn't kind of randomly selecting things that were just, you know, kid on a corner interesting. Ricard took a point of view, and he was looking specifically for forgotten, economically devastated, and largely abandoned places. And so I think having that point of view and not being sort of willy-nilly random and just picking things that look pretty make a difference. And when I was looking at Ricard's work, I came across a piece written by the photographer Wayne Bremser, who in 2011 talked about the phenomena of using Google Street View, uh, you know, other artists using Google Street View. And in that piece, he actually references Lee Friedlander and Robert Frank, both of who photographed television screens in their work. So the idea of basically creating derivative of images on a screen is nothing new, you know, to documentary photography. So it's kind of neat to see this really long lineage that, you know, started in the 60s and 70s and extends uh, even today. It's probably been written about like at, at length, but I'm just thinking using Google Street View, it's a way to capture these places really without any bias, right? And also without damaging um, the place in any way because the thing that's documenting it is just documenting everything equally, which is a giant camera sticking outside of a van that yeah. like captures <laughs> captures everything. Um, and yeah, I just think that's an interesting aspect to, to the work. The website is www.ultradistancia.com. We'll have that link on our blog at blog.photoshelter.com. And the Instagram account is the same name, at Ultra Distancia. 
19-year-old mega pop star and Grammy winner Billie Eilish unveiled her new blonde hair on Instagram back in March, and that post actually broke Instagram records with how quickly it garnered 1 million likes in just six minutes, which is pretty mind-blowing. But her very first professional photo shoot with her new look came out this month on the cover of British Vogue, and she was photographed by 57-year-old Craig McDean. Um, The shoot shows a big departure from Billie's kind of previous fashion style. I mean, she's really known for wearing oversized tees, baggy hoodies, sweatpants. Um, And she's also really built part of her brand around body positivity and just dressing how you want to dress. So it's really interesting to witness this, this really big departure. I mean, now she is boldly saying that she wants to dress very differently. The shoot is directly inspired by classic old-timey pinup shots. Um, she's wearing a corset and latex. Um, like you could not get more opposite from where <laughs> where she was <laughs> in terms of in terms of style. What do you think of the images, Alan? You know, Billie Eilish has been. If you don't know her music, she's a fantastic musician, and she works a lot with her brother as a producer. And she recorded her albums literally in their bedroom. She is ultra talented and. You know, she started writing songs when she was like 14. She had weirdly green and like black dyed hair. She always wore these huge uh, baggy T-shirts. And and then all of a sudden you see this cover where she looks, I mean, for lack of a better word, she looks pretty hot. She looks like a, you know, a pinup girl, as you said, Uh, Mm kind of looks to me like Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, Um, yeah. She's a very curvy, busty girl. So that's sort of unexpected because we've been seeing her just wear these boxy t-shirts for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what do I, I, I think it's a, it's a damn shame in, in our society that we, we criticize people for wearing whatever the hell they want to, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's what I have to say about that. I mean, she's 19 years old. Of course, at some point she's going to want to look like fashionista. Mm-hmm. Right. And so just let her do yeah. whatever she wants. Yeah, let her do whatever she wants. Yeah, I mean, even when she was dressing the way that she was before, she was criticized for that. You know, like exactly. you, she's she's in the public eye. She's always going to be criticized. Um, in in the Vogue article, she's quoted saying, "My thing is that I can do whatever I want." Uh, classic nineteen year old thing to say. <laughs> yeah, she I can. love it. <laughs> and and the thing about Billy, I mean, not to get too off topic, like out of photography, but is that she really has been more open about kind of like her body issues than a lot of pop stars. Um, I mean, when discussing the reason behind wanting to be photographed in a corset, she openly admits one of the reasons. She says, "If I'm being honest with you, I hate my stomach, and that's why." Um, which she then says, "I know that's shallow." <laughs> um, But I mean, we've seen this transformation of young pop stars so many times, you know, it's become, it's become a trope. And I think, I think that they are young pop stars are getting better at talking about the reason that they want to be photographed this way. I just really hope that it, I know that they're saying I'm in charge, I'm in charge. And I just hope that that is true. And I hope that she genuinely does you know, want to be dressing this way and isn't feeling pressure from society, but it's hard to know, you know? that That's valid. There was a, a piece uh, in The Cut by Tavi Gevinson, who we've talked about on the show many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, she was this preternaturally bright fashion writer, photographer, model, 
And she said when she was that age, she felt like she was in control. But in fact, in looking back, she wasn't in control. People were still telling her how to dress, what to wear, what, you know, what to say. So mm-hmm. I, I get mm-hmm. that aspect of it. I will say that we are such an image conscious society. And if you're in the public eye as a movie star, actor, a musician, whatever, you're going to go through phases where you change your look. Yeah. And that's just part of it. The other thing I will say that's relevant, directly relevant to photography is that it's still fascinating to me that magazine covers are still used as a coming out party for these new looks. Mm-hmm. Because Billy mm-hmm. simultaneously released a new video for her song, Your Power, which starts with this incredible drone shot, kind of you know slowly oh, yeah. uh, uh, moving in towards her until it finally cuts to a, a different angle. Um, but she's blonde and seductive in that video, but it didn't mm-hmm. have the same impact as the way that these Craig McDean photos have had in terms of people mm-hmm. talking about it. So, you know, even in this online world that we live in, turns out the magazine cover still has cachet and power. Agreed. Finally this week, we came across a little article on DP Review about the Nose ID app that helps reunite lost dogs with their owners using photos of their noses. So this the is so pet cute. brand IAMS launched an app that uses a dog's nose. So you photograph your dog's nose as a unique identifier. And apparently it's as unique as a fingerprint. I In didn't this, know that. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess it makes sense. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of wrinkles on the nose. Yeah, I know. The second that I started looking at the pictures, I was like, oh, their noses are really unique. Um, people were commenting, well, but it's only going to work if a lot of people are using it. And in this article, uh, they do indeed say, quote, for nose ID to work its best, it will require widespread adoption. As of now, the program is being tested in Nashville, Tennessee, ahead of expansion to additional regions. A lot of people who were commenting were like, just chip your pet. Just chip your pet. You don't need this thing. Just chip mm. your pet. But, you know, people like to take pictures. And it's kind of neat to know that the nose is so unique in that regard. Yeah, dogs. absolutely. Oh my goodness. And if it reunites one dog with its <laughs> then, owner, then it's all worth then it's it. All, it's all worth <laughs> it. Exactly. I like it. I like it. You know, a couple of years ago of my many ideas that I never pursued and, and I guarded this name so secretly for many years, but oh, anyone goodness. can take it at this point. I thought about <laughs> creating an Instagram for pets because people love their pets so much and they're photographing them all the time. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, ah, but people are on Instagram and their pets are on Instagram. So why would they need a, a dedicated app? But I actually think a dedicated app would work really well. But here's mm-hmm. the catch. The name of the app would be Heavy Petting, which I think is just, I just think it's very funny. <laughs> Maybe a little inappropriate in this day and time, but it was very funny when I came up with it a couple of years ago. Oh, that's funny. I, I'm afraid that it might go a different direction. You know when apps get out of control from <laughs> from the founder's original idea? I, yeah, I have a feeling true, that might true. be the case for heavy petting. Mm, yeah. <laughs> well, all the articles that we talked about this week, you can find on our blog at blog.photoshelter.com. While you're listening, why don't you hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating or a comment. You can always tweet at us. We love seeing those tweets, especially if you have ideas that you think we should talk about at Photo Shelter. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Photo Shelter is the online leader for photography websites and workflow tools. Archive, distribute, and sell your photos in a mobile-friendly, responsive website. Try one free for 14 days at photoshelter.com slash podcast. 
Then download one of our free educational guides at photoshelter.com resources.